Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide episode 239. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news, views and reviews. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. First-time listeners, welcome aboard. We're glad you found us and we hope you enjoy the show. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, we are back in Australia, but we've still got a few things to wrap up from Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, including the smart networks of the future, Oppo's new smartphone camera technology, and we also chat with Alcatel Australia's Managing Director, Sam Skontos, about the Alcatel A5 LED that can light up your life and the future of the BlackBerry brand. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the BenQ W1210ST home projector, the Omna home web camera from D-Link, and STM's new range of laptop bags from its Streets collection. And we're going to finish it off, as we always do, with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by our sponsors, Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A massive show, so let's get cracking. Well, Mobile World Congress is over for another year. It was a really interesting show. And while last week we concentrated mainly on the devices that were were unveiled at the show, that is not the only part of Mobile World Congress. The, 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 the main part, most of Mobile World Congress, is all about the networks. It, it's very much a B2B type show. And there were a lot of companies who build networks on hand, companies like Ericsson, and Nokia, and Huawei. Huawei, believe it or not, might have a presence in the smartphone space, so they actually build devices, but the largest part of its business is actually its network business. And they were actually quite involved. They had a massive stand at the show, as did the other network builders like Ericsson and Nokia. But the talk of the show, one of the themes of the show was IoT. That's the Internet of Things. And this is a growing industry that we're seeing uh, involve more and more devices and connecting more and more devices. Now, there were, there were two cellular networks announced, two types of network announced at Mobile World Congress that will enable a stronger uh, and wider connection of smart devices. The first was the CAT M1 network. Now, this is actually uh, being built by Telstra here in Australia. Now, this is, this is one type of network that can connect 
compatible devices to the network. So devices of the future will have this silicon on board, this processor with a built-in radio, similar to a smartphone, that enables them to connect to the network, to have a really solid connection to the network uh, and allow people to remotely access the information they're collecting, uh, the, the camera they may be connected to. So it's a really sturdy connection that is always available uh, because it's connected to this dedicated network. The other type of network and this is the, the network that Huawei is behind, is the NB IoT network, and that's NB that's uh, short for narrowband, also known as NB LTE, LTE being short for long-term evolution. For anyone who's wondering what 4G LTE stands for, LTE is for long-term evolution. Huawei's network NB LTE or NB IoT is another flavor of this cellular network that can enable this incredible connectivity. And in parts of China, Huawei has actually got this network in place and we're seeing examples of how it can work. Now, the whole idea of having a smart device is that it can provide information. It can gather information. It can share that information. It can tell you things about itself without you actually having to be there, be next to it. So there are plenty of examples we're going to talk about in a minute about how these new dedicated IoT networks will really enable a really solid network, a solid web of connections of all these smart devices in the cities of the future. One example, and this is from China, the uh, the installation in the Shanghai Disneyland, which, which Huawei was part of, was a smart parking lot. Now, what, what Huawei installed here were sensors built into the parking lot spaces. Now, imagine how this could be used. A parking space will know when a car is occupying it and when a car leaves it. So you can imagine driving into a parking space that says, right, I can feel that you've, you've I can feel there's a car parking and it can maybe read your number plate or have some other kind of registration or uh, so, some way of knowing what the car is and maybe connecting it to an account. So imagine being able to drive into a space and however long you're there, you drive out and the, the sensors calculate exactly how long you were there and just send that through to your credit card or to an app so that you don't even need to go to any kind of parking meter. It's just done automatically. Now, the whole the, the smart sensors also provide the ability of presence. So it knows if there's a car present in that particular spot. Now, another example from Shanghai Disneyland is when drivers come in through t- into the parking lot, they are directed automatically to an empty space. So no circling the car part, hoping to, to happen upon a spot, hoping to find a spot. As soon as you drive in, it will direct you. It will tell you not only that there is a part empty parking spot, but it will also direct you directly to that empty space. So it may it might say to that space E5 on level three is your designated parking spot, and it will direct you to that exact space. Now, I don't know about you, I could really use that at Westfields around Christmas time. Imagine trying to get a parking and... You're always you're always trying to hoping someone's about to leave and there's people fighting over spaces and it's just a real nightmare. Imagine this kind of technology coming into the rescue and and assigning you a parking space as soon as you drive in. So someone's left, there is an empty spot. You're next up in the queue. You get that. Uh, I think that would work a lot smoother. It, it would save more time than circling the car park 50 times to, to get a parking spot. Anyhow, that's one part of it, smart parking. Another part of it is smart meters and smart sensors. 
Now, take the sensors, for example. This is just an example. Imagine if a rubbish bin can tell you when it's full. So imagine there's council workers, council trucks are cruising the city, and the bin can tell you through its smart sensors when it's full. And what the next step would be that the truck automatically gets this information and plots a course to empty all the full garbages in the city. Just another example of how just a small sensor with a connection and how it's used can save a bit of time. Smart meters as well. Like, Don't think that your water and gas meters uh, in the future will require a human to come and read it. They'll be read remotely. It'll be able to tell you how much water you've used and suggest ways to save on the water. So there's all these monitors in place. In the, the Telstra technology, the CAT M1 technology, They've actually launched a pilot program in Tasmania. There's a, there's a winery, the Pooley Winery in Tasmania, has already been given remote access to live telemetry data. Things that they can, they can monitor remotely are things like leaf wetness, soil moisture, soil temperature, rainfall, solar radiation, wind speed and where it's coming from, all remotely monitored. The other, the other interesting smart device is the drone. Huawei have proposed a smart drone network. So you can imagine the the chip that makes their devices smart be installed in a drone. Now, one of the use cases for drones is obviously there's uses for photography, but the other use case that's been widely talked about is using drones for delivery. So you can imagine having these smart drones connected to this smart network being guided to their destination remotely. So there wouldn't be anyone that needs to control the drone. And if in the event they do run low on battery and need to recharge, they can automatically land on any of the rooftop charging stations along the way. So the drone would say, right, I need some, some more juice. I'm going to land on this, uh, this connecting pad here, this charging pad. I'll wait another half an hour and then I'm on my way. So that, that's just another example of how putting the smarts into existing devices is really going to change the way we use them uh, in the future. Some exciting things coming up there uh, through companies like Huawei, Ericsson, uh, Nokia, uh, Telstra. There's the, these things are happening around us right now. This isn't the future network. This is happening today, and it's going to continue to roll out. If you want to read more about that story, about the smart devices of the future, you can check that out at techguide.com. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Well, not all phone companies announced brand new phones at Mobile World Congress. And Oppo is a great example of that. Oppo held a press conference to announce a new technology rather than a new smartphone. And the technology is rather interesting because you think about this feature on a, on a phone, a camera, is one of the most widely used features on a device. One of the deciding factors even on a device, a lot of customers make up their mind about whether they're going to buy a device, a smartphone, based on the strength and the quality of the camera on board. So with that in mind, Oppo decided to use the occasion of Mobile World Congress in Barcelona to unveil their brand new smartphone technology. And that technology is five times dual zoom. 
Now, anyone who knows uh, anything about cameras and lenses and zooms, when you're talking about optical zoom, that's the actual zoom achieved by re refracting light through lens arrays. So if you've got two times zoom, you've got a couple of lenses and they're combining to magnify what they can see. Now, that, that's, a, that's all fine and dandy in a camera, which is rather large, but how do you achieve that? Two times optical zoom is already available on the, all the dual camera smartphones on the market, the Sev, iPhone 7 Plus, the Huawei P10, the LG G6, which is coming out in a few weeks. They all have dual lenses, so that does help with the whole two times zoom. But what about five times zoom? Five times dual zoom. Oppo has come up with the technology, and it does it. It achieves this using a periscope-style array. So you can just imagine a phone isn't very thick. So we're talking six to seven millimeters thick. So how Oppo has done this is arrange lenses both vertically and horizontally. So lenses arranged on their sides can then refract and bend the beam periscope style through the remaining two lenses uh, that, that are placed vertically. So that then results in five times optical zoom and it's small enough to fit in the slim chassis of a smartphone. So you can expect this periscope style dual camera technology to be included in the latest Oppo devices that we're sure to see later in 2017. Now, the optical zoom technology also brings optical image stabilization to the telephoto lens and improves that performance by up to 40%. So imagine your five times zoom without that optical image stabilization, the picture's going to be rubbish. But with the OIS, the optical image stabilization, even at five times zoom, the camera is still going to take a really sharp photograph. Now, the whole, the whole size of this periscope technology is just 5.7 millimeters. That's 10% that's that's thinner than a regular two times optical zoom lens. So you can imagine the power of the cameras that's going to be in this next generation of devices that we're going to see from Oppo, no doubt, in the near future. Oppo, I think they, while not having a new device, they certainly impressed people with their new technology. And if you want to read more about that, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide interview. Tech Guide. Our Tech Guide interview this week is with the Alcatel Australia Managing Director, Sam Skontos. And he was one of the busiest men, I have to say, at Mobile World Congress because his duties now not only cover Alcatel, they also cover in Australia the re-emergence of the BlackBerry brand. The reason for that is because the company behind both Alcatel and BlackBerry happens to be TCL Communications. TCL, the well-known Chinese TV manufacturer, their communications division happens to own Alcatel. And just recently, they formed a partnership with BlackBerry, so they were able, they were licensed to now create, in partnership with BlackBerry, new devices. And that was very well documented at Mobile World Congress, the BlackBerry Key One. This is a 4.5-inch uh, device, Android device, with a physical keyboard. That we're really enthusiastic about this product, really looking forward to getting our hands on it. And uh, it was a very, very popular device at the show. The stand at BlackBerry was crowded. People wanted to get their hands on this device, try out this new physical keyboard, and wit 
witness this rebirth of a brand that was once a mighty a mighty player uh, more than 10 years ago, one of the, the pioneers of the whole smartphone industry. But Sam's, Sam Skontos uh, not only looks after Alcatel and, of course, Blackberry's on his plate as well, but he did also, uh, he does look after Alcatel. And they, too, had some interesting devices to talk about, the main one being the Alcatel A5 LED. Now, this is a smartphone with a difference. Uh, its rear panel is covered in an LED array so that if you receive a phone call, a notification, or you're playing music, the LEDs on the rear panel of the phone can light up in all different colors and patterns to literally light up your life. If you're playing your music, you can also have the colors moving, so it's like having a disco in your pocket. Alcatel also announced a couple of other devices as well. The Alcatel U5, that's going to be less than 150 bucks. It's going to be one of the cheapest 5-inch devices on the market, 4G compatibility as well. They also announced the Alcatel A3. Now, this uh, has a 13 megapixel rear camera and also got a fingerprint reader. It's going to be $199. The uh, A5 LED, by the way, is going to be $299 as well. Alcatel, one thing about Alcatel is they know their customers. Their customers are youth, young people, active people who may be credit challenge people who don't have a lot of money to spend on a device, but that's why they're attracted to Alcatel because Alcatel offers great value while offering top-line features at the same time. Uh, Alcatel, just uh, in the latest IDC figures, once again are the third highest smartphone brand in Australia on by volume behind Apple and Samsung. So that says a lot about how many devices Alcatel sells in the prepaid space, in the entry-level space, and even in the mid-tier space. So there are a lot of customers that are, that are fans of Alcatel. But while we were at Mobile World Congress, we sat down with Sam. We asked him about what we can expect to see, these devices, when they're going to hit the market, who they're, who they're aimed at, and also how the BlackBerry brand was going to fare in Australia once it's released. Here's what he had to say earlier. Well, hi, Sam. Thanks for joining me. We're here at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. Welcome to the Tech Guide podcast. Uh, thanks, Devin. Glad to be here. There's a lot to talk about. You're going to be a busy man at the show you're looking after, of course, uh, Alcatel. But uh, TCL Communications is also taking over BlackBerry as well. And that has to be, I've got to say, the talk of the show. How soon are we going to see that in Australia? Yeah, well, definitely uh, the BlackBerry has been, uh, has probably caught everyone by surprise that the product is good, the brand's still very strong, it's got a lot of good recall, and uh, we're very, very excited and happy about uh, the way things have progressed. We expect uh, the the, uh, the BlackBerry Key 1 to be launched in Australia around the May-June time frame. Uh, we're in discussions with uh, all the carriers at the moment, and... Um, yeah, let's, let's see what happens. Watch this space. Has there been some interest? The carriers are interested in taking it? Or? Look, I think, yes, of course. Uh, the carriers are interested to, uh, uh, in, in a big brand like BlackBerry. I mean, BlackBerry is still a very, very strong brand and has, has uh, some great followers out there. But more importantly, I think the carriers are ready for a, a third big brand that's going to challenge the, the, the duopoly that's happening at the moment in the market. So uh, I think the carriers are uh, quite excited as well. So the, the device is Android, got a touchscreen, got a physical keyboard, a lot of great features. Who is who's your target audience for this? Look, it's a, it, there's there's a couple of uh, target audiences. Uh, look, the, the main one and of the obvious one is the enterprise customer, the business person, um, the ones that really are spending a lot of their time on the phone, emailing, messaging, uh, uh, and so forth. And uh, for those people, we make it easier to 
to type. Uh, you'll get a lot of accuracy from the keyboard, um, but at the same time, you get security, you get long battery life. These are key aspects that not only suit the businessman, but also the high-end consumer, the consumer that's conscious about their security, uh, the consumer that wants their phone to last all day, and at the end of the day, also the consumer that um, uh, has a need for a stylish design. And the BlackBerry yeah. uh, Key One has got it all. And there'd be a lot of former BlackBerry users would be thinking, "Wow, this is—it's a nostalgic play." I think once their once their—that's what I felt. Once my hands got on that physical keyboard, it brought back all these memories, and it was like riding a bike. I, I could do it again. Yeah, look, you and I are in the same boat. I uh, I must admit, initially I was trying to find uh, certain uh, uh, certain functions. I couldn't find them, but then it just started clicking in. And, uh, yeah, now it, uh, uh, after a week of using it now, I, I guess I'm back to the old BlackBerry days. What about the, the – I, I commented in my story, I did a hands-on on Tech Guide, and I commented that one of the best features of the device was the price. I think that's going to be really competitive. So there'll be you'd assume there'd be a lot of people who want to buy this outright as well. Yeah, definitely. I think look in line with uh, in traditional TCL style, um, we we bring out great value handsets, and the BlackBerry Key One is a great value handset. It'll give you everything that a high-end device does, but at 30% below price, uh, below below their price. So um, you know that strategy of offering great value is going to continue, whether it's a BlackBerry brand or an Alcatel brand, it's going to continue. And I think we've strategically priced it this way uh, because we feel that it's going to give uh, great, great value for money. It's also sitting at just under that, um, that you know, eight $900 threshold, which just seems to be where most uh, premium phones want to sit. We want to sit just underneath mm-hmm. that, and I think we're going to do well with it. You already do well with the Alcatel, uh, with the younger users on Alcatel. We'll talk about the new Alcatel device in a minute. I, I pose a little theory on my story on Tech Guide about whether the fact that maybe millennials may embrace this because you think about what millennials do. They don't call anyone. They're typing away messages. They're on social media. They're, they're using the keyboard a lot. Do you think this might be a might catch on with that younger crowd? I think so too, because not only with uh, with what you just said, but also it's got a good camera. Um, the camera has got a, a Sony sensor, and it's equivalent to the the sensor that you'll find in uh, in, in the Google Pixel phone. So we've got uh, a very good camera on it, um, and you know a few of the journalists locally here in Barcelona have been trying it out, and we've seen some great results. So uh, no doubt the camera is going to be important for any millennial. Um, the selfie's got to be very very important. Absolutely, that's right. So uh, yeah, no. So you'll be able to take really great selfies as well as do all your messaging and you know what at the end of the day you're going to you're going to save some money as well and um, and and that i think is going to appeal to those high-end premium users as well definitely let's uh, let's uh, change gears to alcatel and uh, quite a presence here as well some interesting new devices let's start with the a5 led which uh it's if you want to have a disco in your pocket this is the this is the device to have yeah, well, that's that's one use. Yes, of course. And look, it's um, it's an interesting device. It's it's very unique. And what we're playing here is uh, with smart back covers. Um, not only do we have an LED smart back cover, which will change colour according to your notifications to music that you're playing. Uh, in fact, it could even change according to the colours that you wear because we have a, an app in there called the Colour Catcher and you can catch whatever colour you like and then it'll change the theme and the back cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can make that phone uh, basically be in tune with what you're wearing. Yeah. But more importantly, we're also going to be uh, adding uh, other smart back covers such as a, uh, a, a big battery back cover. Okay. We're also going to have a, a speaker back cover. Cool. Wow. So all of a sudden what you've got here is um, some nice 
accessories that'll make that phone into more than just an LED. It can be yeah. a, so you know think about it. You're going out on a weekend and you want you don't want the LED on there, but yeah. you want the the larger the battery. battery. Yep. You clip clip on the battery. So the modular design is yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You want to go down the beach and you want to play some music. You don't want to yeah. carry a Bluetooth speaker. You clip the the speaker yeah. on the back of it, which is a JBL speaker as well. And all of a sudden that phone changes mm-hmm. its total functionality. Absolutely. So, well, one thing I know, well, Alcatel, you guys know your customers. You know you're the, the very youth-orientated, credit challenge customers as well. So the, the range which, which offers, uh, as usual, big screen sizes and value, it's more, more of that again this year, isn't it, with some other devices? Exactly, exactly. Look, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to brag a little bit, but the IDC numbers just came out uh, yesterday, and yep. for, uh, again, we increased our market share, and... Uh, our, um, our business is growing from strength to strength. We're clear number three. In fact, if you have a look at the IDC numbers uh, in Q4, we are double the size of the number four player by volume. Um, five consecutive quarters, we've been number three. We've consolidated that spot. We've done that because we offer good value handsets. Handsets that are going to give you all the features and benefits of the high-end devices, but without costing you a fortune. And that is a strategy that seems to resonate with our target market. Yep. It works well with our target market. And look, I've got to say, I think the consumers voted with their pockets. Definitely. Yeah. So the, it, it is going to put uh, some pressure on the uh, other players in that the, the, the mid-tier, the, the, the mid-tier seems to have ignited. The super mid-tier, uh, other Chinese manufacturers have mm. stepped in. But you guys are continually punching above your weight. Uh, look, absolutely. We, we, we know where our strengths are. We don't pretend to be... Uh, somewhere we, we're not. Um, we know where the brand sits. We know where the brand's positioned. And uh, and I think we do it well. And uh, I think the results prove that. So we'll continue to do that. We'll continue to, to dominate the prepaid space. We'll continue to work with the uh, uh, the, the younger generation and the older, the older crowd. Um, and uh, look, you know, I think we've got new products uh, that is going to uh, fit in nicely with our, with our demographics. Definitely. Well, Sam, it's going to be a busy show for you. Blackberry, Alcatel, plenty to talk about. Appreciate you joining us on the Tech Guide podcast. My pleasure. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. While public Wi-Fi at airports, hotels and cafes is convenient, it's not always safe. Did you know that accessing the web using public Wi-Fi can expose your most sensitive information, things like passwords, photos, even credit card details, to hackers and identity thieves? Norton Wi-Fi privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about hackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, keep your personal information protected with the new Norton Wi-Fi privacy app. It's also just become available for iOS, Android, already available for Android, but also Windows users as well. So not only can you use it on your mobile devices, you can use it on your laptops as well. To learn more, visit au.norton.com or search for Norton Wi-Fi Privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Our reviews this week, we're going to kick it off with the BenQ W1210ST Home Projector. Now, this is a full HD projector 
that's designed to give you a big screen experience without the big price tag. BenQ has uh, had a, always had a, an interesting lineup of projectors, and the W1210ST certainly delivers not only on value, but also quality and ease of setup. Really important things for anyone contemplating a projector. The 1210ST has a 1920 by 1080 full HD resolution through its DLP projection system. It's got a lamp that can run for up to 7,000 hours in its special eco mode. That's a lot of movies, a lot of games. Gamers are going to love this projector. I'll tell you why in a moment. But let me just go through the device. It's got a brightness of 2,200 ANSI lumens, 15,000 to 1 contrast ratio, and can project an image up to 300 inches in size. Now, that is impressive. One thing I like about the BenQ projector, apart from its great price, which I'll tell you in a minute, is it is a short throw projector. That means it can it can beam quite a large image and not be too far from the wall or the screen. Older projectors needed to be meters away from the screen to have the throw distance to create a large image. Not so with the BenQ. From, a, from just a distance of 1.5 meters, it can project an image up to 100 inches in size, which is really impressive. Now, this is a 4K projector, not a 4K projector, full HD projector, I should say. And people thinking... The move towards larger screens is growing. So people are thinking, do I buy a, if I want to get a 80-inch a television, that's going to cost you several thousand dollars. Uh, forget a 100-inch TV, it's that, that's just cost prohibitive. It's going to cost you thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 if they exist, if those models are offered. But what the BenQ projector offers is that big screen experience. Now, one thing you're not going to get with the BenQ is 4K, and you're not going to get HDR, high dynamic range. All the latest TVs, large screen TVs, are all 4K. They all offer HDR. But the BenQ still offers great picture quality, just not 4K and not a non-HDR. But that's not to say you can't enjoy some great content, full HD content through the projector. And I have to say, the, the quality, the picture quality really surprised me. It does definitely punch well above its weight. Uh, we, we hooked this up to a Blu-ray displayer. We actually beamed it onto a 150-inch screen and watched a lot of movies that we know, especially Star Wars. I threw Star Wars A Force Awakens onto the onto the projector, connected to the Blu-ray player, I should say, connected through and uh, watched it on a 150-inch screen. And boy, was I impressed. I think one thing you'll notice straight away is not only the sharpness of the picture, it is, it is terrific quality, but also the, the natural colours the projector produces as well. Uh, and also the contrast and black levels. Black is a tough colour for projectors to produce, but BenQ does a great job. And if anyone's seen The Force Awakens, there's plenty of black and dark in dark scenes, and it handled it with ease. Uh, there, there, is a, there are actually speakers built into, into the projector so if you're not if you not don't want to connect this to a, a formal stereo system you can still just pop this on the coffee table aim it at a wall aim it at a screen and still enjoy the movie or game that you want to play that's what i like about the projector is the fact that it's suitable to anyone who maybe want to start a home theater like a dedicated home theater they can mount it on the ceiling 
or it's suitable for anyone who wants to just pull it out and put it, pop it on the coffee table every time they want to watch a movie. Uh, that, that's what I like about it. It gives you that flexibility to do that, to set it up formally, permanently on the ceiling or just pop it on the coffee table whenever you feel the inclination to watch your movies on the big screen. Uh, the back panel, there are two HDMI ports, so you can connect things like a gaming console, Foxtel box, set-top box, uh, and view it on a big screen. And, of course, if you do want to connect it to a stereo system, a surround sound speaker system, it is really easy to do that, either through HDMI or through the audio in and audio out uh, connections as well. It comes with a carry case, so if you do want to just put it away when you're not using it or take it to a mate's house, if you want to take your PlayStation and a projector, you can set up a pretty nice gaming. Speaking of gaming, this projector is really suitable for gamers. Reason being is that one one of the downfalls of a projector is the lag, the sort of the lack of responsiveness from the source to the screen. And in a game, it can affect your either your experience of the game or if you're playing online competitively, it can mean the difference between winning or losing. So what, what I like about the BenQ is that it's got features that allow that, that responsiveness to stay true. So you won't get the lag that you get with a normal projector. It's the world's first home projector with what they call a low input lag. So it'll be just as responsive as if you've connected your console to a television. So if you're playing your games, not only will you get the speed, but there's also a, in the game mode, there's also game bright mode so that you get a slightly brighter image so you can see the light and shadows in the game a little bit easier without losing picture quality. The BenQ W1210ST priced at just $1,499. It wasn't that long ago when this sort of quality and ease of setup, setup is a breeze. It is really simple to set this up. Step by step, you, you are taken through the process. But $1,499, it wasn't that long ago when it would have cost five figures to get, a, to get this sort of quality. So I'm really impressed with this. Our uh, full review uh, is up now. $1,499 for the BenQ W1210ST, and if you want to read our full review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Next up, we're talking Osma. Now, this is a new brand from the D-Link company. D-Link Hair is, of course, the very well-known makers of uh, routers and range extenders and other webcams as well. Well, the D-Link Omna 180 Cam HD is the first camera of its kind to work with Apple's HomeKit. That means that not only can you control it through its dedicated Omna app, but also it integrates into the Home app on an iPhone. The advantage of that, if you have multiple Apple HomeKit compatible devices, is that they can all be controlled from Apple's Home app, rather than jumping in and out of three or four different apps, depending on the brand of the device you're using, it can all be controlled from one. So Omna is the first camera to work with Apple's HomeKit. So uh, you, can, you can look at what the live feed, you can look at view notifications through Apple's Home app. You'll have rich notifications. So if you do get a notification, you can actually see what's happening on the, on the lock screen before you've even unlocked the device. Omna, by the way, gets its name from the Latin word omnis, which means all-encompassing. And that can really easily describe its high-definition camera. It's got a 180-degree field of view. So when you're looking through the camera, 
if you are, you've placed it against a wall, you can not only look down both walls in either direction, but also see everything in front of it. So it's a 180-degree field of view. But what it also has is this, this technology that takes the, the fisheye bubble effect out of the video, out of the, the uh, view, and, and everything looks uh, straight and in its place. So rather than it being distorted and out of place, the de-distorting technology really comes into play so you can see exactly what the camera is seeing clearly and very sharply because of its high-definition resolution. Now, one thing I have to say about the Omna is that it has to be probably one of the easiest connected devices that I've ever used. You, all you simply do is position the camera, plug in the power, open the Omna app and, uh, on, your, so you, on your app that's on a phone or iPad or tablet that's connected to a network. So once you've done that, all you need to do is scan the eight-digit HomeKit accessory code on the back or type it in manually if you like, and that's it. You're connected. The Omni camera is then automatically added to the Home app, and with with her Apple HomeKit, of course, it works best on an iPhone and an iPad. It's automatically added to Apple HomeKit. It is so simple; it could not be simpler. And I think that simplicity takes a lot of work. So, well done to D-Link for coming up with that. The Omna 180 Cam HD has its own dedicated app, if you like. Uh, you can receive notifications for any type of movement. It's also got two-way audio. So if you can, uh, not only can you see, you can also hear what's going on and also talk to whoever's in the room. So with that two-way audio, it's got a microphone there as well. Uh, can, it can also detect motion, trigger automatic recordings, and uh, record them locally, by the way. It's got an SD micro SD card slot on board. So rather than you having to have a cloud account and going up and down in the cloud, it's all on a micro SD card so you can watch it all locally. It's also got night vision as well. It can see up to five meters in the dark. The Omna from D-Link, the 180 Cam HD, available now. It's priced at $329.95. It is one of the easiest things we've ever had to set up. Great coverage, great two-way audio, Apple HomeKit compatibility as well. Uh, this is a truly fine product. And if you want to read more about it, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, we're talking about STM's new bags. Now, anyone who carries a laptop, a phone, a cables, a portable battery, any documents, you name it and you need to carry it, why not do it in style? STM have launched their new streets collection. Now, STM is a proud Australian company, a real Aussie success story. And the guys at STM have done a great job producing a great designer line of bags over the years, and the Streets Collection really takes it forward. There are four new bags in the Streets Collection, the 22-litre capacity King's Backpack, the 18-litre Banks Backpack, the 22-litre Judge Shoulder Bag, and the Ridge Sleeve. So uh, all have their designated uses. Of course, all the bags, the, the backpacks and the Judge Shoulder Bag can fit a laptop, I think up to 15 inches. You can get a smaller version for 13 inches. Uh, they've got all these compartments, padded compartments for all your devices as well. And they do have a couple of new features. So plenty of zippers and pockets, of course, but a couple of new features on board. One is cable ready. Now, this is a cable routing system so that you can connect digital devices, for example, a phone and a portable battery. You can connect devices between compartments. So there are small holes between compartments and guides as well. So you can snake the cable, clip the cable in place so that it's guided into the different compartments. Really handy. 
Another feature is Sling Tech. Now, this is a protection feature that suspends the compartment. Say your laptop compartment in any of the bags is suspended above the bottom of the bag. Because what do we do with bags, especially school kids? We throw them on the ground. We put them on the ground pretty hard. Now, imagine if the bottom of the bag is also the bottom, the bottom of your laptop. It's going to get hit. So with this new sling tech, this it's got, it provides this little impact zone or this padded, this protection from the impact zone. So it's actually suspended from the bottom of the bag. Really smart technology. Now, why is it called the Streets Collection? Uh, reason it is, is it's a bit of a tribute to the company's hometown. That's right here in Sydney, in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, to be precise. And the each of the names of the bag, so we're talking Judge, Kings, Banks, and Ridge, these are all various local Sydney eastern suburbs streets. So they're named after the local roadway. So a bit of a tribute to the, the STM's hometown of Sydney. Really nice. Check the streets collection. They're available now. They're available from this week. Uh, you can There's the, the website, the link to their website on our story at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. We live in a world where our connected devices have become an indispensable tool in our lives. Introducing the Netgear Nighthawk X10 Smart Wi-Fi Router. Built using the latest in Wi-Fi technology, the X10 allows users to get faster Wi-Fi speeds on multiple devices simultaneously and is perfect for streaming 4K videos, VR and super fast data transfers. The Nighthawk X10 smart Wi-Fi router is built to meet the needs of today's connected home from connected deadbolts, smart lights or Arlo Wi-Fi cameras. The four powered active antennas reduce interference and intelligently direct Wi-Fi across large distances. The Nighthawk X10 is also the first router with the Plex media server built in. Plex organizes all of your video, music and photo collections and gives you instant access to your content using an always-on router. Wireless is stream 4K video to any device, jitter-free for the ultimate family movie night. The Netgear Nighthawk X10 smart router contains a quad-core processor for unparalleled speed and power to keep up with your fast-paced lifestyle. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Nighthawk X10, the world's fastest Wi-Fi router. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide help desk. Okay, a few things to talk about in the in the uh, the Tech Guide help desk. We're going to uh, zip through three things. The first, I had a really interesting question from a reader who asked they have a, a Optus dongle, so that's a USB dongle, I'm assuming, and they wanted to know if there's a router that they can share the signal with. Uh, not that I know of through Optus, but very simple solution would be to buy a mobile hotspot from Optus and take out the SIM card that's in the Optus dongle, the USB dongle, place it inside that hotspot, and voila, you've got uh, internet connection for up to 10 devices. So rather than buying a router, you need to buy a little mobile hotspot, and then your connection is, uh, you're about to share the connection from there as well. Another question I've been asked is uh, people complaining that the they've either lost the manual that came with their phone or their device, or it just wasn't included. Now, the reason it isn't included is because often, nearly all the time, you can actually access the manual on the device. So anyone who's got a smartphone, the manual is actually in the settings. So if you go to settings, instructions, you will find it. 
So rather than looking for the printed version, you can actually find it on the phone. Failing that, you can even download them on the web. So do a search on those respective sites and you'll be able to download the manual as well. So you won't be left in the lurch. I did have another email from... A, an elderly woman who was given an M1, the, the Night, Night, Netgear Nighthawk M1. They have no ADSL in their, in their neighborhood, and the only way to connect is through the Telstra network. Uh, this woman was saying that the despite the billing period only starting a few days earlier, they claim, Telstra claim, that she'd used up to five or six gigabytes of her 10 or 12 gigabyte allotment already. She was in a bit of distress because she said she turned all the devices off, computers off. There was nothing using data. Telstra insisted that that was the case. Uh, I'm following that up for her as we speak. But the suggestions I made was to make sure that the network has a password because if it doesn't have a password, your neighbours could be just dipping into your network, downloading things without your knowledge. Uh, Also make sure that you're not... uh, A lot of people are unaware of the fact that maybe... Uh, watching YouTube doesn't use data or doing all these things on the web and streaming music doesn't use data. It does. If you're watching Netflix or things like that, that's going to use nothing but data. That's how it delivers it. So just check that you're not doing those things and uh, double check again that you're not streaming things without you realizing you're using data and then go back to Telstra and uh, make your case. And as I said, I'm helping uh, uh, our reader follow that up that issue. Uh, if you have any questions and you want to read about any of those products you uh, you want to uh, that we've spoken about, you can see them at techguide.com.au. And we have come to the end of our show for this week. That went so fast. You can read about everything, of course, that we've spoken about at techguide.com.au. And get in touch. You may even end up on the Tech Guide help desk. Our, our email address is info at techguide.com.au or click on the icon on the right-hand side that says email Stephen Fennick and a box will open up and you will type away and the email will find its way to my inbox. And a special thanks. We want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.